Hey, everybody, this is Reanimated Podcast. This is episode 310, and I'm Stuart, one of your hosts. And joining me on the other coast of this fine nation is the intriguing H.A. Conrad. I guess that works. That definitely works. Hello, hello. Hi. Uh, how are you this fine day? You know, it's a, it's a foggy morning, kind of morning when a, you could walk right up on a walker and not know it was there unless it started to growl right after it came out of cover. One of those kind of mornings. Well, that's a little disturbing. Um, but kind of like, uh, like Silas had to deal with in the completely silent parade float room until the zombies decided they wanted to all moan. Yeah, it was the same kind of an idea. I, I hear you on that okay, one. Okay. Um, I mean, this is nothing new for Walking Dead. They definitely turn change. off and on. Yeah. yeah. The, the uh, moaning uh but yeah. yes it's a it's a it's a nice morning very foggy how are you doing kind of beautiful here so so you know getting into the holiday spirit um you know the 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 tree is is all lighted up at rockefeller um so it's it's kind of you know and it's been it, honestly like an ideal couple of days just to kind of walk around the city a little bit so so that's been kind of nice to enjoy um Though I will say, um, I don't know, it's we'll, we'll have to see if there's a cold snap or not, but it's feeling not quite December-ish, but I have a feeling it'll kick in pretty soon. So, um, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll figure that out. Um, and, you know, just in time for my Anna and the Apocalypse viewing. So that'll be good. I, I, in, our, in our hunt for zombie news um, this week, I did see several, at least two different articles suggesting that folks should watch Anna and the Apocalypse to get into the Christmas spirit. Well, I was kind of sad that it wasn't on the New York Times recommended holiday movies. Like they come out with a thing every year and uh, maybe it's just like newer stuff, but uh, it wasn't there. there, There's a lot of new ones this year. It seems there are, but I feel like they missed an opportunity there. It's a cult favorite in my opinion. Um, And so anyway, I I still think it's, it's good fun. Um, But, you know, yeah, um, I, I know I'm preaching to the converted here. You, you are, except I don't watch Anna and the Apocalypse every Christmas. I, I probably ought to. And uh, we were just talking before we started recording. Um, you know, I've been kind of getting some of that uh, Christmas viewing out of Hawkeye, the series this year, I feel like. So that, that's working for me right now. Yeah, I've really I've been enjoying that show a lot um, and a lot more than I thought I would. So, so far, I've only I've I only watched the first one. So I guess I shouldn't say I shouldn't put too much Mm. onto it yet. Um, But I thought it was like a lot of fun. I thought the script was great. And I I really like the cast and uh, it's it's kind it's got a good sense of humor going on. So that's kind of great. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to, we'll have to circle back once I finish watching more of it, but so far I'm really enjoying it. As I had that on while Holly was working on a, a jigsaw puzzle the other day. And when the episode ends, she's like, wait, that was a TV show. Isn't that guy like a movie star? I'm like, yeah. this is the beautiful thing about Disney plus right now. Right. Uh, this anyway. is what they do. This is what they do. Um, today we've got, we got like one little news item. It's I think because it's the holidays, there isn't that much out there uh, going on, but usually that it picks up again in January. So there was just one little news uh, tidbit about the, uh, you know, the director of Train to Busan and Peninsula just put out a little something about a potential third movie. It's really so, tenuous. He's- it's very tenuous. I mean, we're, I'll admit, this is, this is like, pulling, this is like to even write this article, they were 
they were putting a lot into this. Again, multiple, <laughs> multiple people, multiple uh, outlets decided this was article worthy because Slash right. Film had it, uh, and then another another uh, outlet had it. But he's basically saying, like, yeah, I could do another movie about <laughs> in the Train to Busan universe. I'm way too busy to do that, but yeah, you know, I've got ideas. Right, and there's just like potential collaborations and things that I just think people are are just you know really really just getting a little too too ahead of themselves but there it is that's the news we have for you today sorry um but you know we we are recapping uh the next couple episodes of world beyond for the walking dead and hmm, i we got a note about uh one of our you know our our friend of the show um Kevin, who has who has watched this and had commented on these this stuff previously, and I think we are not the only ones feeling some frustration. And you know, not to to show my hand too much, but I felt a lot of frustration watching these two episodes. Yeah, these, I these don't know were, how you felt. <laughs> these were just clogged. I feel like there was just ten pounds of crap in a five five pound bag for these episodes, and it wasn't good crap. You know what I mean? No. Um, but I these are both they're... directed by Aisha Tyler, so I'm conflicted. Uh, one's written by Raina McClendon, and then the second one is written by Maya Goldsmith. There's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of X chromosomes going on in these episodes. Uh, uh, and I wanted to like them, but I know uh, overall, I would say I was not a huge fan of either of them. So as I was watching them and there were moments that you and I talked about in the le- the first two episodes that were like, there were these moments that were just really like these scenes just felt like a struggle. And I, I was kind of feeling that with a lot of different scenes in this. Um, I feel like the storyline and just sort of where they're trying to go with it is really struggling and just plotting. And it felt like, to me at least, it felt like these two episodes were like four hours long because they just, oh, yeah. the pacing felt very just slow and, and even just sort of, um, even with like some of the characters, some of the things you've already established about them felt very like trite and tropey. And I feel like we'd already covered this ground before. So it almost felt like repetitive. Um, and then there's sort of the things, the intrigue and the mystery that they keep trying to tease. But I just don't feel like the pacing allows it to really be teased. Like it just feels like they're not it feels like not lazy but just um it feels like it's not going anywhere i guess it just kind of feels like it's in like a rut um they try to throw us a a twist in this uh, first episode well the third episode of the series of the season with um identifying who asha and her brother i've already forgotten her brother's name i don't and i don't know that he's going to be a big character because he's kind of fallen out by the fourth episode right Uh, Asha and her brother get introduced early on in this episode, at least through the intro, like the cold open. They're they're ritualistically killing zombies and then doing weird stuff to them. And well, they're doing the flowers in the eyes, which is, you know, actually a funerary tradition. Um, Scooping out the eyeballs. I don't know about the eyeballs part, but putting flowers in the eyes is actually like a funerary tradition in a couple of cultures. Um, But, you know. I this was actually the scenes with them and with um, Elton and Percy who have now made a reappearance. Those to me were some of the bright spots. This actual thing mm. to me was one of the better parts 
of these yeah, two well, episodes. Both but... of these episodes are also trying to do like way too many storylines too. Right? Yeah, we got, maybe that's the problem. We're juggling Elton and Percy. We're juggling uh, Hope and Leo and Huck, or just sometimes just Huck and Dennis. We've also got like Silas and Dennis, and uh, we've got Iris and Felix and Felix and Will and yada da da. And it's yeah, there's way too much going on in these two episodes for them to have a flow. So, yeah, the, I the almost... fourth one is worst. Right. The fourth one is even worse, which is mm. hard to say. But um, I feel like they if they had focused on one or two of these storylines, maybe it could have gone a little bit better. It didn't feel like there was really necessarily a need to juggle between the Silas and like the Silas and CR story. I don't know that like it just felt like they should have chosen and, and move forward. I kind of felt like part of they part of why they kept the Silas storyline in here for these episodes was so that they could refer to him in other episodes um, to remind you that he's out there and that this is a key thing, which is kind of where they wrap up at the end of the the fourth episode. Um, But it just felt like too much to keep track of. And then none of them are really moving forward in a, in a good way, in my opinion. Um, And so much of the storyline with Huck and her mother and Huck and Felix and, Huck and Hope and the whole storyline about Huck in general, just about this sort of soldier who's fallen out of favor with the CR. So had to kind of do this mission um, to, to redeem herself. And there's clearly something to do with her husband or whatever he is Um, like that all felt very like jammed in and kind of like, you know, they didn't really necessarily do, they had like a couple of flashbacks and things like that, but I don't know. Th- to me, that was one of the bigger problems with this, right? Like, at least from my point of view, it's like, this seems like they keep throwing these little like hints in about it. And it probably would have made more sense if they had gone a little bit more straightforward as opposed to kind of flipping back and forth. Well, um, fl- with- flipping is the operative word here yeah. because they're getting ready for her to flip and that's they're just laying, like yeah. this is i'm sure that's the thinking is they're laying the groundwork for for huck to to become a goodie before she dies at the end of the right. season uh, which yeah. is still my projection um yeah i think you're right and and like so yeah there is more in the i think the the second episode that we're talking about today that the, the focus is more on her like being everybody's whipping boy at this point but um she she has to go to her tribunal where they issue her clemency. And one of the things they bring up in every episode, it feels like, is that she did something really bad. And it was her and Dennis, and they both did something bad. And they just keep referring to this like, oh, your sin, your sin in the past. And this is why Dennis is on like, you know, uh, calling station duty. He was pulled from active duty, they reveal, I think, in this episode. Mm-hmm. And um, and the fact that you know she had to do this mission and she barely has gotten back what she lost, as, uh, as her mother says in the fourth episode. It's just like nonstop referring to this thing that we have no idea what it is. And I, I also find that kind of frustrating. Just, as, well, like, just tell me already what it is, what they do. Well, yeah. And it's like it's almost like they go around it so many times that that's one of the most annoying pieces of this. It's like nobody in this normal like somebody would refer to it like more than just that bad thing you did. Right. Uh, I don't know. It just seems dumb to me or like even to give it like call it the Linguini incident or whatever it might be, <laughs> something, yeah. something more than how they kind of keep going around the, the issue. But um, so there is that. Um, as this, I said, I think yeah. that the Percy and 
And Elton's storyline was probably one of the, to me, one of the better ones because you see a lot of the, you know, the conflict in how Percy is sort of going out into this world and Elton is going out into this world. And they, you know, Percy's been out there in this world, not safe for a really long time. So seeing those contrasts between them is kind of cool. Um, though I find yeah. him to be annoying. I find well, Percy to be annoying, but yeah. like, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, what he, his actions in both of these episodes are, are borderline disastrous. Uh, I mean, maybe not like the second one where he's about to assassinate Huck is maybe not disastrous. It wouldn't be disastrous, but you know, we, we kind of like Huck uh, because of how, in a, in a way, because of how charismatic, um, um, Oh gosh, what's her name? The woman who plays Huck is. Oh, um, it's. Oh, Annette M- uh, Mahendru. Yeah. Um, she she has brought a lot of like, kind of. Well, in the first season, it was a lot of that like forced joviality that we had talked about, and in this season, it's more of like, oh, don't be mean to me, sort of face. But she, yeah. she's still likable. Like I don't know what it is. Like she she, and and I. I'm watching these episodes and by the second one we're talking about, I don't know. I'm, I keep bringing up the fourth one as opposed to the third one, but in that episode, she is getting beat up on all sides by everybody. People want to murder her. Like multiple mm-hmm. people want to murder her. And I'm just like, I mean, Percy, I get it. Like, yeah, you killed, you shot him and you killed his uncle, but why does Felix want to murder Huck other than like the, just the principle of betrayal. Yes. She betrayed them. Yes. She sliced his Achilles, but I don't think he even knows that that was her. He thought it was barbed wire at the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. She took hope, but hope is fine. Clearly hope is fine and asking them to come with her. So uh, maybe I've just forgotten like a major plot point, but why is Felix so bent on murdering her? Well, I mean, she betrayed him. She was like his best friend and he trusted her. And then the whole ploy at the end where she takes hope and hope agrees to go with her. That is why I think he's so upset with her. I think he also, but I think he also has some idea um, that she had something to do with will or that there's something nefarious going on. So I don't know. I think he just feels completely betrayed by somebody who he loved and who he considered to be his best friend. Um, so I think that that's part of it. Um, I mean, I get being mad. I a hundred percent get being mad. There was a betrayal. And I, like I said, is it, is the principle of betrayal enough to justify murder? Uh, because that's what he's, he, he holds that zombie over her, you know, in like episode four, four. And you're like, Oh, if he had like, if the clothes on that zombie had ripped, she would have been bitten on the face. Um, right. Like they, you know, this show, that scene, I know I'm, I'm two episodes away, but that scene where he just like throws the zombie to the side and it just stays there growling on the ground while he has like a final epithet yeah. to hook. <laughs> like I'm going to kill you later. <laughs> zombie doesn't get back up. He has the time to deliver his line and then step on its head while yep. it just lies there. They've really, they've really made zombies lame on this <laughs> Well, there's also the weird thing where suddenly all the zombies' heads are easily crushable all the time. Yeah. Um, Like with the end of a baseball bat, even. Yeah, it just feels like they, not only are they crushable, but they kind of implode with, with like the barest touch, which is really kind of odd. But, you know, that aside, I hear you. Like, it does feel like his interaction with her, well, part of it, I was also thinking about the fact that she is this source and one of their only sources of true information from inside the CR. Which is her selling point to them too. Which which to me is like, well, why are you like threatening to take this person out? Because this is your only chance to get some real information. And as much as it might be a pain to get it from her, 
she does she's been showing sort of a bit more obviously she went against what she was supposed to do to get to bring hope out to to meet everybody she's kind of been doing things that are not necessarily in line with what the CR would want so I don't know I agree with you I think his I'm going to kill her is an overreaction um but then you've also got I don't know, like the Percy thing where, yeah, he's got more of a reason to kill her because she killed his uncle and shot him. And like, so we have, we know that that happened. Um, and it makes sense since that was like his only sort of solid person in the world. Um, so I understand that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's, there again, this is sort of the bad sort of storytelling that I think we've seen. Um, a little overly dramatic. And then, I mean, I'm hoping in the next couple episodes, this moves a little bit more. Um, it felt like they were just trying to establish all these like kind of weird things. So you've got Percy and Elson, uh, sorry, Percy and Elton. Um, and we see a little bit of them. I do enjoy, I did very much enjoy Elton's like escape with his corduroy armor i thought that's that the was hero pretty... of this, the hero of this episode, this episode is that three. that best was a, that was the best thing and also i i loved the walkers where elton and percy kind of land into this weird little uh botanical garden of walkers <laughs> uh which was kind of the makeup was great with that i thought that was fun um and then i thought that their I, interaction I did feel like i could see the wires a little bit not not that there were literal wires but i was just like those are gilly suits yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. But anyway, I mean, I thought that was, but to me, that was the best sort of interactions. And part of this was just um, with um, with Percy and Elton kind of in this, you know, in this interaction with these two people they know that nothing about that are kind of, um, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of messing with them. They're, they're very much like... Um, they're, well, they're, they're fully... it's, it's unnecessary. Yeah, honestly, that's not like a good selling point for this episode is how much these two, it's Asha and her brother, decide to yeah. just literally mess with their heads. And part of it is justified because this is another area where Percy is not helping. No. You know, and Elton tries to talk him out of conning them and goes down and, and well, he goes down and like walks right up to him as opposed yeah. to staying at a distance. Um, if I was him, I would have stayed outside their little fence of hubcaps. Yeah, and, and just kind of talk to them, right? Yeah. Uh, but in a, in a way that he wouldn't have been um, at knife's point. Uh, but but then Percy like screws it up by not very subtly robbing them of turnips or whatever. Uh, and then the chase happens and I get it. And, and you know, knowing that a Asha and her brother know who they are the whole time, it turns out that's why they chased them. Otherwise, I'm not sure that they would have chased a turnip thief who got away with yeah, zero turnips, not. right? Um, but then during when the zombies come out of the woods and they kind of sit there and watch Asha and her brother dealing with them, the show is doing too many of these weird flourishy zombie kills. Like it they keeps are happening. They're doing leg sweeps and Felix mm -hmm. does one in episode four. Asha does one in this episode. In this one. Yep. And also when, you know, when you look at that scene of her like doing twirly zombie kills uh, followed by episode four, which is like, yeah, I just have to take dialysis every day. And I'm like, hmm, something about this isn't adding up. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, so but I do. I am just as a, as a general note for this whole se season is like, okay, guys, we don't have to sweep the leg on every zombie fight. Can we please well, just keep it simple? And in this particular zombie fight, the thing that made me kind of think it was a little weirder was because you've basically got them 
coming from all these different places. Like you don't know whether that ground is actually covering another zombie, right? So right. it's it's a very risky move to be making. Putting your um, hand on the ground during a right, point, right, yeah. just to, and putting yourself on the ground. Like who knows? Like as we saw with with um with Elton, like they were just coming up. Uh, they were kind of coming up from everywhere, and it, it felt like the whole ground was them. Um, but in any case, I just thought this was the whole the whole reveal about his little suit and how she was about to like take his arm off. He's like, no, no, it's like corduroy armor what is he kind screams, of awesome. he screams something like uh, wait it doesn't tear kids wear it doesn't tear. something like silly kids like wear that. it they don't tear it yeah i think that yeah, was yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but that, and that then she steals and then she steals it so that's kind of amazing um i kind of love that um yeah. i mean they're they're shipping we're shipping these two they're shipped yeah yeah the ship, absolutely. The ship has sailed because he did have the hots for hope uh, but now Hope and well, maybe yeah. Mason, maybe somebody else. I don't know who else she could hook up with. Well, and also Hope killed his mom, so I think that's hard for him to get over that point. <laughs> true. Yes, so. they're still having issues. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, so they go through that whole thing, and this is a bit of the lighter side, just in that they're bringing them back, although they make them think that they're going to die, so they're wearing like gas masks just for show to bring them back to the to bring them back to the ranch, so to speak. Um, so that's kind of, you know, so that, the, that's, yeah, this is episode three and they wheel them into the town where Indira is boss and she's actually their mom, but then, okay. So they're broad daylight. They're brought back. Why doesn't Felix know that Percy is there in episode four was, is Felix doing something far away? Cause there's I that scene where he's like, I could have sworn I just saw Percy, but he's dead. I'm like, what? No, he was, they yeah, all- they don't do that was also a thing I was questioning because they don't do a I guess they don't do a reunion with them, but it makes it weird that he doesn't know that they're there, right? I don't know. Um again, kind of strange. Yeah, but- I mean not really even worth taking too much time over, but I was just like, what? I could have sworn. Um uh, and then I guess so that's kind of yeah, Percy and Elton are now back in the fold. Um and and hope, meanwhile, is like going to class having uh, debates with Mason in chemistry about um, fermentation and, and uh, decay. I thought that was actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then she's like turning down invitations to go get, get wasted in the, in the sub basement or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, yeah. I mean, I would have been fine without her going down there, but also I know that that's not how these kind of shows work. Well, it's not. And I mean, I think they're trying to I mean, they're trying to sort of show you a little bit about how she's changed, because this kind of gathering is exactly the kind of thing she would have organized in like her prior existence and did like she used to make champagne and bootleg liquor and all that stuff. So um, I think it's kind of showing that to some extent she's evolved to. Now, now she's, I mean, she's kind of trying to embrace it. And I think most of it is that she's trying to find out more information about everything of this in the CR. Um, but she also, her mind is always on her sister um, and on Felix and just how to get them um, and find them. And so she's, you know, the, the thing about this whole thing with Hope is, as we pointed out before, everybody knows who she is in this little community. And so it's not exactly like she can be stealthy or like it won't be noticed that she's kind of asking questions or taking note of things. Um, There's definitely a conflict just in terms, even with the professor talking about fermentation, 
you know, there's that whole thing where it's like she's not paying attention, so she's going to get in trouble or whatever. And then she pulls out this whole, like, very witty thing that she's talking about, this idea, and then shares it with her dad. And, like, you can definitely see that she's, there's pieces of this whole thing that she finds attractive in terms of what they seem like their mission is. Um, but, you know, the the part that is hard for me to get over is that even when she goes to Huck to try to go and get her sister, it's not clearly you can't get out of this place easily. Um, and then even the fact that Huck does this when if she had waited one day, it would have made more sense because she actually had duty like guard duty to go out. I don't know. Like, like, how are you feeling about that? I just felt like there's like lots of things that don't totally add up here. Well, Huck gets um, yelled at by Leo in public after like Leo is also just like a ticking time bomb. Like how has yeah. he survived this long in the CR? Uh, he's yeah. yelled, like last episode or whatever. He yells at Kublik, which mm-hmm. doesn't go well. And so this episode, he's like, I'm going to go and yell at her daughter. Uh, yeah, that like makes a, sense. Who's a Marine. I'm just going to f- walk up to her on the sidewalk and start to yell at her about safety. My daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but Huck, you know, unlike Kublik, is just, you, you see her being conflicted and taking it all and never really fight firing back, right? And then yeah. so when when Hope comes and yells at her too, um, it obviously kind of, I mean, she sits on it for a minute because she's supposed to be having a date night with Dennis. <laughs> and then eventually, I don't remember what episode it happens in, but eventually it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm sorry, date, date's canceled. I'm not getting dressed into my date clothes. I'm getting dressed into my uniform and going, going out. Well, and, and again, let me point out that even between these two, they talk about that bad, bad thing that, that happened. The, but she calls it yeah. the thing you did, right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so maybe she took the rap for him. I, it sounds like maybe that's what happened. Um, yeah, but, they're not even saying what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe if it's that bad, yeah, you can imagine people will but like you use euphemisms to like not have to really say, uh, you remember when you screwed the cheerleader or whatever it was? I'm, I'm sure it was probably worse than that. Uh, but- I think they stole the last case of ring dings. Um, definitely ring dings. What do you think? I mean, it could be also like Dennis is um, in the fourth episode where he's like playing camp counselor or RA for Silas in the, and his dorm room is like all hubcaps and, and band posters and guitars on the walls. Yeah. <laughs> what is Dennis? What, what makes Dennis tick? What, what yeah. could he have done? Did he, um, did he like steal somebody's bootleg copy of a grateful dead concert? I mean, I, I don't know, but he's just, He's feeling like a certain type of dude who's he's probably 20, 10 years old, 10 years too old to be. Correct. Uh, I felt the same. I felt the same. Um, and I also th- this is just an aside about Silas, but Silas's hair is driving me crazy in this. Um, put it put it up. Give him I want to put it up or I want him to cut it off. But it is a pretty big liability if he's doing stuff like clearing stuff. And every time he tries to like take out, even though their little heads are exploding very easily with this little tool he has, it's like always in it. Like he can't see anything. Um, it just feels like it's always getting in the way. Like at least do a top knot or something, something. Um, just try, just sorry. That was like one thing where I was just like, why? Why is it just all in his face? Just feels like he could get taken out with his peripheral vision that obstructed. So. He, uh, he just ran you know, over, ran that's, over. That's how he wants to. That's how he wants to go. Like my, uh, yeah, 
I think it's it's fine. Like he, you know, he kind of shakes his head every so often after a zombie kill to like get it back out of his face. Um, it's not bothering me as much as it's bothering you, but I I, I hear you. Um, and his hand, his hand, he's got like an open wound, and like somehow has managed not to get super infected or like actively infected with this virus, which it feels like. I mean, it's 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 when they show like that what they're stitching up, it's like unbelievable that it has that it hasn't totally like turned into gangrene or something and how appropriate that like he cut himself to give him to give himself that right that was like his way of i don't know summoning the cr to let yeah something get away. like that yeah um and he's like yeah i'm gonna i'm not just gonna cut myself a little bit and i'm not gonna do it on like the bat the top of my forearm or somewhere else that i don't have to touch things with all the time no, it's going to be on the palm of my hand and you're right. going to you're going to really have to look at this for a while. Yeah, but that's uh, in episode four. They um, I, I think that's kind of everything that I wanted to say about episode three. Yeah, like uh, Hope plays Jenga with a blindfold on. Who cares? Um, yeah. She meets a guy called Ian who delivers some sort of like socially awkward statement. The, that's yep. supposed to just make us think like, yeah, these kids are just, they're, they're just nice, smart kids. They're some of them. Mason is from the CR and he gets to go home every two weeks, but he's not allowed to talk about where it is. Mm-hmm. Yada. Um, and they're all like paying lip service to the loss of Omaha too, which is just like, yeah, you know, we all know better. So it's, it doesn't really do much for me in the story to see that these, well, I guess what it does is it lets you know that almost nobody knows what really happened there. Right. And then the story that has been floating around, people have bought it and believe it. Yeah. Um, pretty much with no question. And they all feel like it's and you know, Omaha is a hundred thousand people. That's a lot of people to lose. Um, and that's a number that keeps getting brought up throughout this, like when people like when when um Iris and others are talking about it, they've they've in both these episodes, they bring up the fact that it's a hundred thousand people. And why would do they do that several times? Yeah. So I feel like at some point we have to find out why they did it. Um, but <laughs> for now, big, big for now, in addition to whatever th- it was that Huck and, and Dennis did, that was bad. This is the other mystery um, is what happened in Omaha and why, and why you would take out this population center of survivors. Cause that doesn't and resources. Cause that doesn't totally make sense. So um so we got that going on um much of much of episode four is you know hope and um huck have arrived in the settlement and uh you know there's already a scene of percy looking out the window at huck and you're just like oh my god no this is what's gonna happen next Mm. um it's a lot of like hope trying to persuade iris to come back and felix to come back to the research center with them or near them like as huck lays it out later she's like no you won't come with us we'll just drop you off outside the door and you can walk in like you found it by yourselves yeah because you know that's going to go over really well that they can that they found it right the secret research facility that nobody's supposed to know where it is so how is that gonna fly you wander Um, long enough uh, um but then this is also i found these scenes between iris and hope just to be completely tedious and awful very bad Um, very bad so like and they say these weird things where it's like, oh, why didn't you tell me about this? It's like you just got reunited. Like why? Well, that's a, that's I, their last conversation in the episode. I know. And they have like two other conversation scenes in this episode. And in those scenes, it was really it's it's not even hope. It's hope is laying everything on the table. But yeah. Iris decides that hope is compromised, basically, like, yeah, because she's like come to the CRM. 
And Iris has already laid out her uh, declaration of war against the CRM. Even though they don't know it yet. Okay. <laughs> her war of two on a million. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's like, oh, well, you know, she doesn't say anything, say that out loud, but she does start to clam up and doesn't, and, and like, true, true. doesn't talk to uh, Hope about everything. And so, but that's dumb. Uh, it's, it's, it's not like half of this sh- show is about their sibling bond. And I guess they do get back to that by the end of this episode. But watching these two not be on the same page is not enjoyable TV. Like we need no, them, no. like they have to be on the same page because they're dumb anyway. Like, can we please not like drag this out? Let's yeah, just keep Agreed. Me- and that's exactly the term. It's that it feels like it's being dragged out for the sake of something. I don't even know what, but it's not. It is not adding anything to the storyline, to the characters. It's just making it annoying to watch. Um, so that's, you know, so that's where I am on these episodes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Felix, it's all, it is annoying to watch. So Felix and, and Ho- Iris both refuse to go to the research facility because we'd be stupid to go there not knowing how we could get out again. But I mean, I'm, we're looking at Hope, Hope and Huck who are out right now. Like right. they snuck out. I mean, maybe they wouldn't be able to do that again. Maybe that would be tough. Uh, but it seems like it's doable, guys. Why are you? Uh, I mean, they they don't trust Huck either, and it's like, all right, Hope, you're in there with Dad, who is just yelling at everybody. He's probably going to get himself killed pretty soon. I, also, he's 100 percent going to die this season. Oh yeah, he's got to be. I mean, we've already this, they're already hinting at it multiple times. It's sort of shocking they're still alive anyway. He is a Duke Leto Atreides, if I ever saw one, for yep, sure. Yep. Um, and then the other the other thing that I, I found to be tedious plus odd um we've got you know we've got this whole sort of deal going on with this little community again it doesn't make sense to me the fact that they even have this deal though they do try to have um um some explanation in the interactions with like elton and stuff like that for for you know when he when they're kind of shipping him and is it asha asha mm-hmm. um you know, when they're kind of shipping that, you have some explanation sort of of why the community exists, but it still doesn't make sense given what we know of the CR, um, that they would even broker this treaty seems weird to me that they would allow this community to exist outside of their pow- their group of power because everything that we have seen shows that they basically seem to just kind of plow through and command complete fealty from people um, and to bring them in as part of their fold. Um, so that that whole storyline seems very weak and strange to me. Um, the other thing that seemed kind of odd to me is that if you do have this kind of fringe little community, you would have a better hiding place than behind like a weird curtain or <laughs> tapestry. Like there, that isn't even a hiding place. That's like another room. What? Like people could just kind of walk into there. And I'm, I'm referring to the, when, um, yeah, when the I, Colonel comes in all looking for her missing soldier. Well, that was um, like a, a no notice. Maybe they do have better hiding places, but that's like, by the time that they knew she was coming, like they were in that room and they had nowhere else to go. Perhaps, perhaps, I, perhaps, but it's still, it's like, gosh, have like a priest hole or something in the base, like something. Yeah. Um, but also, anyway, like the, the dialysis being hidden in that little sh- shack of sticks which isn't really hard to find like elton finds it pretty quickly like while he's having hallucinations about his dead mother yeah uh like he's like oh yeah there's a shack uh 
and and I, I I'm waiting for the dialysis angle and and the fact that it's Indira and not Asha. I'm right. waiting for all of this to mean anything because we don't know these characters. So now we right. know one of so, them has an illness, like like kidney failure, I guess, right? Is what it basically has to be. Yeah, and it's like, but that's the other thing. It's like, okay, so what does that mean? Like, like it again. You're right. We haven't learned enough about this character, these characters, first of all, to really care, um, or at least not enough for me to care. Um, but to for it to make sense that this would be a, I mean, obviously having any kind of a chronic illness where you need treatment like this would yeah. be a problem in this world and we, we but... saw this with the savior storyline with um sherry's sister being a uh, diabetic and needing insulin and so they relied on the saviors to get insulin and in yeah. this case it's where we're going to have to rely on the cr to get this dialysis and, stuff yeah. i'm not sure exactly what what all goes into that but so it, it, it is that dynamic um okay so that's established that's why they need they need the cr for Indira maybe to survive. Right. But why the CR would agree to this with so much leverage seems uh, so much leverage that could be used for their own benefit seems a little odd again, but yeah. The only reason um, I can think of is if they're like one of those, they're, they're like keeping the settlement of, of potential, um, you know, shitsters out there so that they maybe. know where all the shitsters are, you know, <laughs> like maybe, maybe. Um, and then the last thing that kind of comes up in this whole episode is that the, whatever the, the little unit that Silas is a part of, um, that is somehow key. Will says that there's a plan that they can basically take down the whole CR. They can do whatever they, they can figure out how to get everybody out by it, using, the little sort of like site that Silas is at somehow. We don't yet know what this plan entails. We just know that it's somehow key to whatever is next. So I'm sure they will reveal that maybe in this episode, but in the next couple episodes, but. Huh. Um, it, we, you know, what we do know is that they do have, uh, they have fireworks, they have power, they have explosives. Um, so True. at least the explosives might be what Will's thinking of. They also have vehicles and mm -hmm. maybe they have more access to CR because of where they are and what they are. So, um, and then one of the things that they are using, and I mean, these are the sort of bright spots, actually where Silas is and what they are doing is mm -hmm. some of the more interesting things to me. Cause basically they're luring all these groups of walkers in and they're destroying them um, in a methodical way. And they have like, a, they have, somehow like a homing beacon on the ones that they bring in or something well, that that was one of leo's uh, devices that they right. actually go to some amount of risk to recover it rather than blowing it up um, right 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 so that's to gather information on the walkers and that kind of thing yeah. but you know they do they they do have a system here and it seems to be like oh well this makes sense and that's kind of cool stuff to learn about um so i i do like that aspect of it the fact that they're doing this kind of um methodical um like just trying to to clear out some of the walkers to make things a little less dangerous um yep. so i do like that but but you know it's it's still a little bit i don't know it's not enough of it <laughs> and not enough of it in this episode anyway it's also to just, make it yeah True. I, I agree with you. And it's funny because Silas, this whole episode has been like in the beginning, he's kind of spacing out, looking at helicopters and at this weird water tower. 
Uh, and then he like tries to leave and gets caught by his buddies uh, and made to made to go to the the parade as they call it. Yeah, the hazing ritual that they and, have. And he's had a couple of scenes with Dennis. Like uh, in the beginning, Dennis is like, "When this is over, you're gonna come with me." And you're like, "Oh no, he's getting punished." I actually thought this was great. Then he's just stitching up his hand and being really gentle with him and talking to him and like yeah. So him I like thought that was good. That was good. And then the, uh, by the end of the episode or closer to the end of the episode, you've got another scene when it's more like Dennis in his dorm room uh, with the pubcaps on the wall listening to rock and roll. Uh, and he's like, kid, you only get one one screw up that you just had it. And I'm like, Silas has literally been screwing up the entire episode. I don't know why right. you feel like he's only screwed up once. He's like spacing out during a really high stakes mission. He's trying to leave. He's like not accepting the the overtures of the rest of the gang um, to, to be one of them. Like to me, Silas is clearly not a good recruit for this for this culling station. And they should probably throw him back where they got him. Uh, right. But nobody seems to be picking up on that. Well, and it's also there's there's definitely similarities between this conversation with him and the conversation the colonel has uh, with the girl's dad um, with Leo, um, where it's like, OK, you get one more shot. And in both cases, both of them have been screwing up continually. So yeah. to say that it's like one more chance for both of them is kind of and they're both doing kind of similar things, which is bucking the the system that's in place Um and, you know, as far as anybody knows, other than, say, maybe the colonel, um, the whole point of the CR is to keep people safe. Um, so it's just more the people that are challenging that status quo that seem to be a risk to it as a whole, basically, um, which makes you sort of draw conclusions about what might have happened in Omaha. Um, so, you know, so I guess that in some ways they're trying to sort of have those parallels happen and had the episodes not been so like incredibly slow going and a slog, maybe I would be more inclined to be like, yeah, about that. But I don't know. Yeah. It's um, so, uh, Percy, Percy uh, in this episode also has like broken into the weapons shed, stolen a rifle and is, and is trying to murder Huck and Will intervenes along with Felix eventually. Um, and, and at the end of the episode, Iris and Percy are having a moment um, and he's like, you know what? She shouldn't be allowed to walk around like what she did didn't matter. And I'm tr I'm listening to him say that. And I'm like, dude, you used to rob people on the road with your right. uncle all the time. You don't think any of those people died as a result of you taking their food because, and everything they had. Well, and not just that, but like you like in the case where they were scamming uh, Hope and Iris in their group, like Iris almost died um, because of what they did. So yeah. they like, come on. I, I don't believe that that he's as as pure as the driven snow um he is quite pale actually um but but, but that's just such a bs line yeah where we're supposed to think that he's like this uh unabashed good guy when he he was not he, he was he, and and he and like they even refer back to it one episode before where he's like yeah we can con these people easily we can take all their stuff it won't be a problem uh, so uh, I'm not sure that I want to. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the show doesn't want us to feel completely sympathetic to Percy and maybe Iris is falling for a bad boy and it'll it'll end up going uh, one way or another, I guess. So we'll see. I also fully do not believe that he would have like stopped like the guy has been kind of lonely for a while. I just don't <laughs> think that he wouldn't have like kind of gone through with some kind of an interaction with Iris. I just don't don't buy it here. Um, he does have like a fairly significant 
bullet wound in his upper torso. So maybe he doesn't have it in him, literally, you know, maybe, maybe. But I don't know. I just feel like he would have overcome the pain of that in order to knock boots a bit. Um, I don't know. Her reaction to when he's like, excuse me, I have to go after they have one kiss. And she kind of like touches her lips and looks thoughtful. But it's almost like the longing version of that. I'm like, don't you feel like you just got walked out on by a boy who you were like saying, uh, you know, here I am. Uh, and he, he leaves. I don't know. I was like, oh. And he's like, no, thanks. <laughs> like, it's kind of a big rejection. It's not. Yeah. As a teen, as a former teen, I would say that would. Yeah, I'd probably that be would like suck. going fetal <laughs> and rocking back and forth. And like, I know. Oh, I'm terrible. Listen to some very sad music. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, and finally, we have the Kublik apology video. Um and uh and huck tries to like ask her about some of the details that she's she's like oh i hear you were saying that you were airlifting out survivors from omaha give me the list of their names which is just kind of like uh i guess only your kid could be that much of a jerk to you um right and kublik sets her back and is just like listen you are not out of the woods yet kid yep and that's confidential information that That thing you did still hovers over us all because those ring dings were vital to the community <laughs> vital yep um the and then, uh, they've had a couple ever. flashbacks flash flashbacks flashbacks of huck's uh, river journey too mm-hmm. um like being found on the raft outside of omaha like do you feel like they overdid her uh, i mean she cut her own face but the breaking of the arm like why would you need to why would you need to do that that seems weird like a very strange detail i mean I think it's enough that she's dehydrated and kind of beaten up, right? Like, what was the purpose of giving her a pretty significant, I mean, it almost looks like a compound fracture. It's a pretty bad break, what they do. And I mean, I know it's to show how much she's done to kind of restore her reputation here and maybe how much she sacrificed because of Dennis and just that her mom is the one who helped do this. I don't know, but it still feels kind of unnecessary and a very big risk because she could have she could die absolutely um which i think is i mean obviously that's kind of what they're going for is to show that but it just seems like i I think you could have done what you did without breaking her arm but yeah that 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 felt like a little more than necessary for me too um and uh and 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 also risking like mission failure were she to die because right you're big if she's your big linchpin and you're kind of, you know, putting her out there like the whole if the whole success in the miss- mission is based upon whether she can become a successful mole or not. This just seems like an odd decision to make um, strategically. But. Well, maybe we'll never understand it until we get the uh, finally the flashback about the, uh, the the great ring ding. What's a ring ding? It's not a, it's not a font on Microsoft. No, a ring ding is a delicious or used to be a delicious little i don't know if they they probably still make them they used to be in these little foil packets but they're basically like uh like chocolate cake covered with chocolate frosting with like a little middle inside so almost like a hostess cupcake that's what that's what's coming to mind okay yeah it's not it's almost like a hockey puck shaped treat um but it's um but it's, I'm teasing. Maybe not ring dings, maybe Twinkies, maybe something else, maybe Mountain Dew. We'll see. We'll, well see. Oh, yeah. Where's the, yeah, there hasn't been much in the way of product placement this season. No. 
um, which you know they had that you're referring to Mountain Dew because of that right yes yes yeah, that was uh that was a quite overt if they're going to do it they should do it in the research facility where they still probably have access to things like the Mountain Dew that was uh, but yeah, I guess we, uh, that's kind of everything that's happened in these two episodes. We'll be, we'll be next time talking about what is a quarter voix, quarter voix, whatever that is. And who are you? Um, yep. And these are both like, what's interesting about these episodes is, yeah, they're just taking two in a row, same director, each one. And I don't know, maybe that was for COVID or just convenience. So the next two are going to be directed by Heather Capiello. Um, and then written by Ben Sokolowski and Rohit, uh, Rohit uh, Kumar. And we'll, uh, we'll get back to those, I guess, next time on the show. Yeah. And if you do have observations, um, you know, we'd love to hear them and, you know, commiserate or disagree with us. You know, maybe, maybe some people think that this is great. And I, you know, I should say that you and I are not the demographic that this is going for, but yeah. I think, I am hard pressed to think that the YA demographic would be into this either. So I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. Um, but if you do have things to share, please send us an email reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com or on the Twitters reanimated PCAST, um, or you can leave a note on the website uh, reanimatedpodcast.com. Yeah, you did it. I did it without stumbling. This is a first. Um <laughs> 300 so, episodes later. And I got it, finally, finally. Um, so anyway, uh, but until next time, thank you so much for listening and ciao. Alrighty, bye.